Well, welcome back to Inside the Pastor Study Podcast. I am Pastor Jeremy. And I am Pastor George. And we are back with you looking forward to a great episode this morning that just kind of uh, blossomed it, out it of did. a uh, conversation we were just having and realizing this happens a lot. We should hit the record button and just start this conversation over. We should, yes. So that's what we've done. I hit the record button. We are. We will get to this conversation here in a little bit. Yes. But if the first time joining us, welcome. We're glad you're here. You might be watching us on our YouTube channel or you may be... Um, you know, on the video version of our Spotify podcast, right? There's some cool stuff through Spotify. I'm actually seeing that's a growing trend in our listeners. Yes. A lot of people are switching over to Spotify. I'm kind of old, I old school on this. I still run with the Apple version, Apple version yeah. but, um, basically I think if there is a podcast platform, we are on it. So don't let that be a hindrance to sharing the podcast with others. That goes a long way. It really helps out and uh, um, helps us uh, connect with more and more people, which is really you know a thing that we like as pastors. We want to be able to connect with more people, have really great conversations about who the Lord is and how uh, scripture applies to our life. Um, and one of the reasons we do this podcast is that very thing. We recognize that there are some things that we can't, really write a sermon series on it just doesn't True. make sense it doesn't yep. fit the format or the platform um but we want to they're still worth thinking through and communicating and so this here we are we're out we have the podcast and we're glad you've joined us uh for this um we kick off all of these episodes with a, a theological term of the week here we go the theological term of the week The theological term of the week is post-millennial. I just switched over to camera too. Yes, the I color's saw that. weird. It is. I don't like it? it. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk to our IT guy about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. We'll just and stick I, I with this, this one big, here now. Get this big the black mic- nose. The cool looking microphone in the way. Yeah. Yeah. Really nice microphone. Also provided by that IT guy, so we yes. can't you know can't throw him under the bus, bus too much right. there. Anyway, so you just I. Post millennial, millennial, right? We're we're working our way through um, eschal- eschatological terms. Yes, doctrine um, of last things. For those doctrine, of you who yes. missed that episode, and if you did, go back. These are these are. I feel like this is the this is the wing of theological terms that everybody kind of perks their ears up on. Yes, okay? we want to know them. Yeah, if we you know we start diving into angiology somewhere down the road, like people might just kind of hit the skip button. Could be. Um, other people are interested in how yeah. many angels can dance on the head of a pen, but um, not everybody is. And so, right. you know, the, uh, but here, when we start talking about last things, a lot of people now tend to get concerned. interested yes. because we all at some level want to know. Yes. We're all waiting for the revelation of this. We're all yes. waiting to see what God will do. We're all in a holding pattern, waiting for the consummation of all things and looking forward to the return of Jesus. And Real we want to know what it yes. looks like. Yes. And over the years, we've had some opinions based on scripture. We have. And uh, we're, we're hitting some of those. You know, we, we started with um, understanding, you know, what the kingdom is. As we talk about that, we talked about how, you know, Christ is coming soon, what imminent means. Right. Um, and now, you know, we're working through the millennium, this, this, this period of time, years. this thousand year period of time that's mentioned in scripture. Um, you know, there, there's, you know, we talked about some of the interpretive questions around that word in a previous episode. Right. And then once we kind of define that uh, period of time, that thousand year reign of Christ, last week we talked about a millennial. So that means no millennium. There isn't necessarily a millennium. It is a there's a kingdom. blanket 
period of kingdom time, right? Yes, a blanket period yep. of kingdom time. And uh, and so this week we're we're, we're going into the post millennial view, right? right. So and, the and after millennial view, there are some people who just when we're things we're talking about, you're going to hear all millennial. There's no millennium, and there's so many things that overlap with mm. post millennial mm -hmm. people. That there are sometimes that there are people that are amillennial that sound postmillennial, and sometimes there are people that are postmillennial that sound amillennial, and there is a difference. Yeah, right. If you're amillennial, the the kingdom is the church, and it has always existed as this kingdom. It will all as since the time of the resurrection of Christ. It's the concept of the thousand years is totally figurative as it's a, just a long, long time. Right. Right. Postmillennialists are different because postmillennialists don't say that the kingdom begins at the resurrection of Christ. No, they're a little later. They're later. They'll say, okay, we believe that the millennium is the kingdom of God, mm -hmm. that it comes into effect and that Christ is going to rule and reign. And it's the church. Mm -hmm. The kingdom is the church. So, so far, very similar. Right. But what they will say is that there is a time after the resurrection in the future when the church will actually take control of the world and they will, the world will then begin to come under the power and authority of Christ and the world will get better and better until we hand the kingdom over to God. Hmm. And that's a key ingredient is that the world will get better and better until we hand the kingdom over to God. Now, there are all kinds of ideas on when that post-millennium began or when they think it will begin. Right. Because, yeah, there is some variety. I think some people right. will say, right, like the fall of Jerusalem in 70 is some the beginning. Some people will say that. Exactly. Yeah. Some people will say that it is the Edict of Toleration hmm. in uh, 300 uh, AD when mm -hmm. uh, when Constantinople or when uh, Constantine, Constantine uh, declares the church to be uh, an intolerance, mm -hmm. you know, so now the church is able to fill the earth and subdue it is the concept and fill all the earth. The concept of the stone cut out of the mountain. Not, yeah, we've talked about that for right? Daniel. Yeah, that's that's the kingdom of God, and so they say that it's. It doesn't exactly begin to fill the picture. It crushes the kingdoms of this world. And then it fills. Okay. So the postmillennialists will see two two stages to that, and they'll say, okay, and now the church is going to fill the world. And postmillennialism um, has times when it is very much in vogue, mm -hmm. and it has times when it is it it's no longer perceived. So, yeah. for example, biggest time of postmillennial growth happens in Europe between 1870 and 1918. Mm -hmm. Between 1870 and 1918 in, in Europe, post-millennialism is the rage. And it's because Germany has been united as a single country where it had been over a hundred little countries. Mm -hmm. um, Italy is united uh, from three kingdoms to, uh, to one. Uh, there has... The last major conflict is in 1870 between the French and the Germans, and that settles very quickly. And all of those, all of those European Protestant kingdoms 
are now growing and their empires spreading and there's evangelism going around the world from various missionaries like David Livingston and uh, and even you know just lots of things are happening and all of Europe is so filled with their Christianity mm -hmm. that they say the world is getting better and better we believe the kingdom of God is being ushered in even now, and we are looking at a world unity that will spread throughout the world. And then this thing happens in Europe that really messes with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, by the tent, by the end of the Great War, um, you know, there are entire villages in uh, in London that are without any uh, living male mm -hmm. under the age of sixty. Mm -hmm. Um, there are, um, there, there's, they say that an entire generation of French young men were gone. We're gone. Right. Just gone. Yeah. Because of World War One. Right. And this great pessimism sets in, in Europe. And that great pessimism leads to, uh, the rise of Karl Barth and existentialism, mm -hmm. uh, the rise of Friedrich Nietzsche and nihilism, um, the rise of Adolf Hitler. Mm-hmm. Uh, the basically the death of the church in Germany mm -hmm. because it's no longer there's no longer anything to look forward to all of our dreams have been crushed interestingly enough as that's beginning a great post-millennialist named Woodrow Wilson is the president of the United States who is ushering in a time in the United States when the United States is now saying we have world peace throughout the world right and we can be the we can be the the harbingers of world peace for the church of god yep. to spread throughout the world woodrow wilson was a post millennialist mm -hmm. because now like right now the war is over the war is over the great war is over the, the great United time of come peace. in it's been you know has ushered in this peace yeah yes. so in the united states our 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 big post millennial age is post world war 1 post world war 1 yeah. there, there's a time uh, there's a time in the United States when Congress passes a law forbidding war. Mm -hmm. um, the coins of the day, the silver dollar, is minted in 1928 and 1929 with the eagle's wings folded mm -hmm. because we are now no at longer peace. At war. There's yeah. no more as God. 1920s, believe it or not, mm -hmm. 1920s United States, because God's kingdom has come to the earth and we are going to have peace. Now, you might hear that say, say, wow, that's absolute craziness. But there is a resurgence of post-millennialism in the United States uh, between, say, 1990-2000. Um, and that, that uh, post-millennialism actually comes out of, quite honestly, the, the presidency of Ronald Reagan. Yeah, because now we're in this era of American exceptionalism, which is right. tied to our, right. our faith at some level, right? So in, for example, in many Assembly of God churches in the United States, you have something called Reconstructionism. Hmm. Reconstructionism is the, is the belief that the United States, as the kingdom of God, uh, is ushering in a church age in which righteousness is going to flow throughout the land and we're going to re revert back to biblical principles and uh, and to living biblically now i think that that has been crushed in the last you know few years few years yeah 
Uh, but you still find Christian Reconstructionists around uh, in various places. And a lot of times I think you see a lot of reaction to those Reconstructionists, right? Like I feel like we're in that cultural era at the moment where you have, even within, actually frustratingly, even more so in the church than outside of it, right? You have yeah. the proclamation. This is not a Christian nation. This is not, you know, we are not the favored, you know, right, right. work of the Lord. You know, America doesn't have this place you know, and all of those, that's really, it's, it's, it's not just a reaction against Christianity. It's a reaction against this post-millennial view right. that, that, that God has established the United States as this city on a hill. Um, and that it was going to be, play a role in the ushering in of this kingdom. Right. 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 Now you've got some concept, you've got some, some, some structure, some struggle here, because just as we've talked about that whole, uh, Hukuma concept that's the name of the author. His last name is his Hukuma. Mm -hmm. That whole concept of the already and the not yet. Mm -hmm. There is a sense in which the Church of Jesus Christ is a city is on the a hill. foretaste of the kingdom it to come. Is the salt that makes so much yeah. palatable and preserves so much. It is true. Second Thessalonians says that that uh, we don't have we aren't in the end times because the church has yet to be removed. Mm -hmm. So the church does have some kind of restraining action on evil mm -hmm. in our world. But that doesn't mean we've taken over, and it doesn't mean that Christ is reigning. Which I think is the I think it's what makes this conversation about the millennium so interesting is because each one of these three we're going to talk about the third one next week. Yes, each one of these three views has scriptural basis. Oh, absolutely. Um, oh, absolutely. And, and you can easily work through scripture and draw out the argument and you, you're not inventing things here, right? Like you can, you can read through this and feel some level of confidence in each one of these three views. Yes. Um, yeah. There's just not all three of them are right. Right. Exactly. And <laughs> part of that problem also, we'll use the word again, it's hermeneutics. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you want to apply it? Are you looking at a literal grammatical historical uh, perspective on scripture or are you developing like allegories or tropisms mm -hmm. that uh, enable you to make the decisions that you make? Yeah. And uh, all of us do it. Even, even those of us who are in the third camp that aren't amillennial or post-millennial, mm -hmm. we have our places where we violate those concepts of literal, grammatical, historical. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my amillennial and post-millennial friends are more than willing to point those out to me. Sure. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah. That's, I think, right, I remember, um, <clears throat> we'll talk about, you know, just a, a foretaste of the conversation to come. I think I remember in my ordination council, like we were having this discussion, I was being asked about my view here on this particular topic. And, and I mentioned that I'm in the third camp, but that, you know, and my, my asterisk to that answer was that I'm willing, I'm, I'm ready to be surprised. Always. Um, like this is what I see in scripture as, as the most logical explanation of what's happening. Um, but I, I'm not, I'm not in charge of this thing and it's yet to come. Therefore, you know, when God reveals himself and when God clarifies exactly what his plan is for us and when, when the Lord returns and, and, and we, when we begin the process of eternity with him, we'll look back and be like, ah, oh, okay, there was a fourth option and we just didn't know how to play 4D chess. So, true, true, yeah. um, like now <laughs> here's the thing, right? So all of these things come into play. Yeah. They're all, they're all 
pretty much open to interpretive issues. Mm -hmm. Okay. All of them, all millennials and post millennials, third, third group we'll talk about next week. Which, if you, yeah, you, 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 get you can figure probably out, figure right? that Pre, out. We'll just do, you know, pre millennials. Pre millennials, yeah. right. A preview of that word to come. All, all of those camps, all of those philosophies of how things end influence the yes. way you interpret scripture today right. and how you apply it to your life. Mm -hmm. So it's not that. It's not that these aren't important, mm -hmm. and it's not that you just dismiss it. It's not like if you're, you know, I think it's really important, for example, if you're listening to somebody teach who is a millennial, that you're listening very carefully and pulling out yeah. what they're saying. Yeah, that flagging is, those moments where you recognize, like, this is influenced by their eschatology. Yes, so I... I going to take that with a grain of salt. I have to figure out how I really want to apply it because they're their eschatology is showing. Mm -hmm. So on the other hand, you know, they've got some other great things that they're saying. So, you know, so, you know. This is not a you're in or out of heaven issue. No, absolutely not. Right. But it could influence the way you live here on earth. Right. 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 And the way that you unpack scripture and apply it to the rest of your life. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So having a good handle on your belief about the end really helps you in your in the moment you're living right now. Yes. Right. 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 So, yeah. So this is post millennial. Is there anything else we need to hit on this one? This is a fun no, one. I think this is a fun one. It yeah. really is. And I, I have always been interested in its correlation to world history. I feel like Yeah. Um more than the other two perspectives, post millennialism and its popularity really is tied to um how you interpret what the world is doing at the moment true although you do have some interesting prophets of post-millennialism they come out of some very dark times mm -hmm. um, I, I i recognize yeah that. and i think even in those circumstances what they're seeing is you know we are in the midst of those moments of of desperation and sin yes and the day is coming right right where right. this where this will be happening right um current shapers of opinion for example in uh theological terms to Reformed Presbyterian guys who have had significant influence in um, Presbyterian thought, Reformed thought, but also to some extent the, the Reconstructionist thought uh, is uh, uh, Rusus Rushduni and Gary North, both of whom come out of that Cold War era mm -hmm. when everything was dark and everything was filled with despair. Mm -hmm. uh, and here we are with this voice of you know we can make this world better and better and yet we have so much despair right uh floating which you know even that concept of falling below the the, the rim of despair that uh, that comes from francis schaefer who is amillennial mm -hmm. you know and so yeah some interesting things to just work through uh on those ideas somebody's going to write to me now and say that Francis Schaeffer wasn't amillennial, but he was. <laughs> and if you don't know who Francis Schaeffer is, go read his books. They're oh, please. Awesome. Yes. Oh, please. Yeah. Um, which is the fun part about this, right? Like, go yes. read Francis Schaeffer. Go, you know, go read some of these writers. They will, they will impact your faith for the better. Absolutely. Um, they're just brilliant, brilliant thinkers. And I, and I have found, like, there are some stunningly wise and brilliant thinkers who, who have different opinions 
uh, um, on particularly on this topic for yes, me. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. you know, there's all those moments where I'm like, you know, you kind of sit back and like, okay, like I don't think I'm as smart as these guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, so maybe I should be yeah. on millennial. What's right? happening? The... What's happening here? Right? Like, why do I have a blind spot? Do they? Like, what? You know, this is a thing that you kind of get to in these conversations. Yes, these are brilliant people, and I disagree with them. Who am I to disagree? But this is the reality. Like, and yeah. this is. You know, it's kind of the fun of theology. Like, if you're allowed to have fun in theology, I know a lot of theologians who don't seem to have much fun. No, that's um, true. But yeah, this these conversations I think are fascinating, and yes. I, I really enjoy them. Yep, absolutely. All right, well, that's post millennialism. That is our uh, our post millennial. That's our theological concept or term of the week. The theological term of the week. So this podcast episode yes. has had about 15 different topics leading Oh into it. my, we have been, and so many good ones. Good ones. And I actually yeah. wrote some of these down. Hopefully we'll get around to them at some point. Absolutely. I'm just thinking of another one. I'm going to write it down. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. But it, this is this is just, this is how this works. When you hang out in the office long enough with us, we end up having some cool conversations. Yes. That's really, you know, that's what birthed the podcast to begin with. Right. Um. But out of all of these conversations, with, I was noticing this overarching topic that we really haven't spent a lot of time discussing. We've, yeah. we've talked about it occasionally, um, but not really at length. And, and and I think, you know, it'd be worth thinking through because I, I think this particular topic is one that um, I feel like I'm in a minority on as a pastor. Yeah. It's probably not true. Um, I but, think it's but, cyclical. But I think there are, yeah, uh, that's possible. Um but I think in any given moment, like if you watch TV or maybe you have a friend who's about to get married, um, it seems like, you know, people just will run to the, to a website, they will pay $40 and download a certificate from that website that's, that says they're an ordained minister of what the galactic empire or whatever. Something like that. Yeah. And then they will be able to perform their friend's wedding. So here in Massachusetts... Hmm. Massachusetts has actually codified this so that the state can make money. Mm, of course. So in Massachusetts, this is a Mass- that's a very Massachusetts thing to do. You do not even have to, you know, become, you know, you don't have to be ordained by the with the World Church of 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 Elves or whatever. Uh-huh. In the state of Massachusetts, if you want to perform your friend's wedding, you can go to um, any city hall or town hall. And you can pay a fee, and you will be ordained for 24 hours. Ah, nice. And then you have the ability to perform a wedding within that 24 hours and be the officiant of it. There you go. Yeah. So this concept of ordination is an interesting one. As I was saying before the the episode started, I was having a conversation um, with somebody on staff at a very large church, and we were talking about this idea of ordination. And in their very large church, like... They were confused by my reverend title. Yeah, interesting. Um, and so we had that conversation about that, and I was like, "Hey, like you know, I, 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 I have an undergrad degree in Bible, which you know many people do, but then I went to seminary and I got my master's of divinity, and then I, um, after being in ministry for a little bit, I, I penned a very long and thorough paper." talking about my um, system of belief 
Um, and then I had to take that paper and call in a group of local pastors uh, to, you know, our church actually did that because that was the polity of that church, right, right, right? Of that movement, right? They reached out um, and they convened a board of other pastors who came into the, that, you know, on a day and they just grilled me over that paper um, and over my broader, like, theological worldview and structure. And I had to defend it. I had to defend all that. And at the end, after many conversations and questions and, a, you know, in a day of, of study and, um, and prayer that that board um, declared that I was fit for the gospel ministry, um, and you know they then recommended to our congregation right, um, right. that they ordain me. Right, and so that congregation had a you know a service, and they they formally ordained me, and that was my process of ordination. Right. Um, a lot of people different. don't understand yeah. how that works, right. why. Yeah, and so we want to talk a little bit about what the deal is with ordination, because it is a it is a strange thing. And right. in my thinking, like, you know, a pastor's ordination is very similar to a lawyer passing the bar exam. Right. Right? It, right. You know, you might have the education and the degree, but you can't practice unless. Unless, right? yes. And, uh, but that's not the case in church for some reason. And a oh, lot of churches it's, it's weird. don't care. And and it, it vacillates. It swings back and forth. Um I think part of it is reactionary. I, I know that we have, uh, we, there are mainline denominational churches.
hey, everyone, we just had a bit of an error. Um, maybe the Lord just said that's enough on that topic, but we're sorry about that that cut off. Um, but hopefully the, the podcast we had today was and, and what you got was instructive and helpful. Uh, thanks for uh, tuning into that. Um, and we'll be back next week. Hopefully. Maybe. Hopefully. We're on vacation. I am on vacation. We'll see what we can do. We'll be back soon. Don't worry. Uh, thanks for joining us. Have a good one. You have been listening to Inside the Pastor Study Podcast with Pastors George and Jeremy Stevens. Artwork by Caitlin Gallagher. Music by San Demetrius. And engineering help from Ashley Gallagher. To find out more about us, head to marshcorner.com.